Thanks, Craig. Um, okay, so Ruth, this is the book that uh, that Jim and, and Lily both talked about that CJ went through at camp, and I think that for a lot of people, the timing on it was really good. Um, it's a really cool story about love and hope and providence that God has for everybody. It uh, starts out, takes place in Bethlehem, starts out there, um, and you have Elimelech and his wife Naomi, and their two sons, and there's a huge famine going on, so there's no food, so they have to go and find another place to live so that they can have food and they can live their lives. And so they decide that they're going to go 50 miles down the road and go to Moab, which this is before, like, cars and buses and planes and everything, so they're walking 50 miles. Like, you're not just walking down the road to Washougal. You're walking all the way down to Salem, you know. It's a long ways for them to go. And, uh, and so they're going there to find food, and you have to remember one thing about Moab is uh, this family is Jewish, and Moab has a lot of significance to Jews because uh, the, the way it started out, the way Moab was born, was there was a man and his two daughters, and they were living in a cave, and the daughters felt bad for their dad because there was no men there, and they couldn't, uh, they couldn't give their dad a family. Like, there was no way that they could do that because there was no one to marry and have kids with and keep the family going. And so they decided one night that they were going to get their dad drunk and they were going to sleep with him and have kids that way and carry on the family like that. And so that's what they did, and that's how Moab was born. And uh, so, yeah, that kind of plays a role throughout the whole story. And so Elimelech and his family get to Moab, and they find a place to live. And so they're there, and uh, shortly after, Elimelech dies. And um, leaving Naomi and her two sons by themselves. And so the two sons grow up, and they uh, get wives, Moabite wives, and uh, Ruth and Orpah, not Oprah. <laughs> got, that, I got that confused when I first read this. But um, no, her name is Orpah, and the other one is Ruth. And so uh, 10 years after mo- moving to Moab, the two sons die, leaving the three women by themselves, which is hugely significant in the story because this isn't like this isn't like now where women can go out, find a job, and support themselves in a family. There's no hope for them. They, there's nothing that they can do for themselves. And so Naomi says to them, I'm going back to Bethlehem. You guys need to stay here with your families and find another husband, and you guys need to carry on your families." And just stay here. And so Naomi's getting ready, and she's going back to Bethlehem. And uh, Ruth and Orpah start walking with her, and they're going, uh, they want to go back with her. And Naomi says, no, you guys have to stay back here. I have nothing else to give you. Even if I was to bear a son right now, would you guys wait for him to grow up so you guys can marry him? Like, that's not, that's not going to happen. And so Orpah, they're all, they're all kind of weeping together out loud right in the middle of the street, and they're just really emotional. And... Uh, and so Orpah finally gives in, and she leaves, and Ruth stays, and she says, and Naomi says, why don't you, why don't you go back? Your sister-in-law is leaving. Why don't you follow her? She says, don't urge me to leave you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people are my people, and your God is my God. And that's, that's kind of a testament to the kind of person that Ruth is. She sees this woman, Naomi, lost her husband, lost her two sons, there's nothing for her, 
and she could easily just stay in her hometown with the people that she knows, with her family, start a new family, but she doesn't. She decides to go with Naomi all the way back to Bethlehem. So the two of them walk all the way back to Bethlehem, and they get there, and it says that the city was stirred at their arrival. They walk through the city gates, and everybody's kind of like looking around like, is this, is this Naomi? She's walking into town with the Moabite. And this is like, this is a culture of, of Jewish people. And so they're kind of looking at this Naomi coming in with the Moabite. And they say, and one of the women calls out to her and says, are you Na- Naomi? Naomi replies by saying, no, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitterness, or it means bitter. She says, because God has dealt bitterly towards me taken away my husband, my two sons. She says, call me Mara. Which isn't, that's not just something to take for granted. It's not something to take lightly. You know, it's not like nowadays where somebody gets a nickname and, you know, we just kind of call them that for a while or whatever. She says, call me Mara because she feels betrayed. She feels like God has turned his hand against her. And so they find, they settle down, Ruth and uh, Naomi do. And, uh, but the uh, the thing about the timing of them coming back to Bethlehem is they got there right at the start of the barley harvest, which talk about providence. That's an amazing thing for them. They could have come at any time of the year, but instead they come right at the beginning of the barley harvest, which means that there's a whole season of work. There's a whole season of food for them to provide for themselves. And so chapter 2 starts off, and it kind of describes that there's this relative of Elimelech named Boaz. And it describes him as a worthy man, which you can't take that lightly either. You know, a lot of things nowadays can be taken and people don't really get the full meaning of it. A worthy man doesn't mean that he's just a good guy. You know, people, someone that people kind of want to hang out with. He's, a worthy man has a lot more, a deeper meaning than that. Like, for me, an example I can use is my sister, she's here, and when she gets older and she's going to find a husband, I want him to be a worthy man, somebody who loves Christ more than he loves her, and someone someone who can treat her with respect and somebody who's going to love her. And that's a worthy man. And so that's how it describes Boaz. He's a worthy man. And... Um, so it goes on to say, Ruth Ruth looks at Naomi and she says, Naomi, I'm going to go. I'm going to go glean the fields. I'm going to go find a field to glean, and I'm going to bring home some food for us, bring home some barley. And um, Naomi says, go out, do that. Gleaning means, so back in this time, if somebody owns like a barley field, the, uh, the corners of it, like the, they're called reapers, the people who come through, and they like, cut the barley down, stick it in their wagon or whatever they're pushing around, and that's how they get their, that's how they get their barley. And so the corners of the field, though, are reserved for the poorer people, right, the less fortunate people. And then in addition to the corners of the field, all the barley that they're cutting down, and the, it fall, if it falls on the ground, they drop something, but not to pick it up. They're supposed to leave it there and leave that for the poor people. And so that's what gleaning is, is coming behind the reapers and picking stuff up and having it for themselves. And so that's what, that's what Ruth says she's going to do. And so she goes out, 
and the field that she comes to is Boaz, belongs to Boaz. And again, talk about providence. She is a Moabite woman, a younger Moabite woman, could have gone to any other field where she could have been taken advantage of in any way. You know, she could have been abused in some way, but no, she comes to, she comes to Boaz's field and she's gleaning there. And so Boaz comes in midway through the day or so, comes in, greets his people, comes up to the, the lead reaper, head reaper, whatever you want to call it, his most important servant says, kind of looks over there, sees, sees Ruth working in the field, gleaning, says, who's that over there? Like, he's, <laughs> like he's, he, he's pretty interested in this, in this younger woman, right? And uh, the guy says to, her, says to him, that's, that's Ruth, that's the Moabite that came in with Naomi the other day. She's been working hard all day, except for a short break that she took. And so, uh, so Boaz goes over there, and he wants to talk to her. And so he says, greets her as, my daughter, listen to me. And, you know, it can be, a, like, it's, it's implied he owns this field. He's kind of an older man, maybe. Walks up to this younger woman, greets her as my daughter. That's kind of weird nowadays, like, if somebody walked up to you and says, my daughter, listen to me. But that's a tremendous sign of respect. It could have been so easy for him to walk up to her and say, you know, what's up? Like, start, <laughs> start, like, start like flirting with her or something like that, you know. But he's not, he's not doing that at all. He wants to show all the respect for her. And so he says, my daughter, listen to me. You are not to go to any other field and glean anywhere but here. You stay with my people, with the women working in my fields, and you drink from the same jars of water that my men have poured for you, or that my men have gathered for you. And at this, she, she bows down and she says, why have I found such favor in your eyes? And he says, because I know what you've done for your mother-in-law after she lost her husband and her two sons, and you've stayed with her through this entire journey, and you're out here working for her. And so she stays out there and she gleans for throughout the day, and it comes to be mealtime, right? And so she's, you know, we can assume she's like, she's by herself, eating. Boaz says, come over here, Ruth. Come sit with me. Dip your, dip your bread in my wine. You know, come here, have this bread and stuff. And he's ripping fruit off for her at the head of the table, you know. And again, it's a tremendous sign of respect towards her, towards a Moabite, towards a foreigner. And then he says to his men, uh, in addition to the corners of the field, in addition to the stuff that you drop, when you, when you cut down the stalks of barley, drop a couple extra for her, you know. Drop down, like lay down a couple of extra pieces of barley for her to have for herself and don't rebuke her for it either. And so by the end of the day, she gets all of her stuff and she, you know, separates it all out and stuff. And uh, when she measures it all out, it's an ephah of barley, which doesn't really mean anything to us nowadays. I don't know what that means. And, uh, Basically, it just means it's a ton of barley. She got, she has a lot of barley. And so she comes home, and uh, Naomi's sitting there, and you can kind of guess Naomi's all nervous. She's waited all day. Ruth comes back. She stands up. Where have you, like, where'd you glean today? Like, where'd you go today to go? Uh, what fields did you work? And she sees all of the barley that she came home with. And uh, Ruth says, the man who owns the field, his name is Boaz. And at this point, you can kind of guess that just kind of eases the tension of, of Naomi. And she kind of like looks at Ruth and she says, 
bless him. May the Lord bless him. And you can kind of tell right now her heart is changing. She went from, she went from saying, call me bitter, because he, she thinks that God has turned his hand on her, on them, to saying, Lord, bless him. May the Lord bless him, for the Lord has blessed us. And, like, that kind of speaks for itself. He's changing, he's changing Naomi's heart. And she looks at Ruth and says, he's a redeemer. And what that means is, if there is a husband and a wife and they're married and the husband dies, is the redeemer or the husband's closest relative, a brother, if there's no brother, the next closest relative, to marry that woman and take care of that family and to carry on that family name. And that's what she says Boaz is to them because she's lost all the men in their life and he's a redeemer to, for them. He's, he's come in, Ruth found his field and he's protecting them and he's giving them work and he's redeeming them. And so, um, chapter two closes out by saying, they want the rest of the barley, the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. Naomi, or uh, Ruth is working in Boaz's field and she comes back every night to live with Naomi. And that's how it goes for the next couple seasons. And so chapter three starts out, um, Naomi's just kind of like tired of that. Like she knows there's something there and she kind of wants to start something. So she kind of takes matters into her own hands. And she says, Naomi, here's the, or, uh, she says, Ruth, here's the plan. All right. And she kind of lays out, lays out a rough plan for Ruth. And so she says, she says, anoint yourself, go down. Uh, she says, Boaz is winnowing on the threshing floor, which what that means is uh, at the end of the harvest, they get all of their barley or their wheat or whatever and they, they stomp it out, or they have tools to stomp it out, or they have animals walk through and stomp it out, and it separates, separates the good stuff and the bad stuff, and then, you know, the seeds and everything, so they can throw it up, and then the wind, the breeze carries it off, and there's the lighter stuff gets carried in the breeze, and it lands in a pile over here, and the heavier stuff just kind of falls onto the ground, and so that's kind of how they separate, separate the stuff, and that's what he's doing, and it's kind of, it's, it's a pretty big event at the end of every harvest season. And so uh, that's what Boaz is doing. And every night, uh, the head of the house or the field or whatever sleeps with his, with his harvest. And so, uh, yeah, so you kind of have to understand that. Naomi says to Ruth, anoint yourself or put on your makeup and your perfume and look all nice. Put on your best clothes. You're going to go down there. And don't make yourself known to Boaz until he's finished eating and drinking. And, um, and notice... Note the place where he lies down to go to sleep. And then when, after he falls asleep, you're going to go over there. You're going to uncover his feet and lay down there and wait for him. And he's going to tell you what to do. And so I was talking with Greg about this on the way home from Dunes. We don't really know what the significance of uncovering a man's feet is. Um, it can be assumed it's something, it's something a little scandalous, but it's not, it's not a sin. Like it's not, it's, She's not like sinning by doing that. And so... Um, uh, my mom described it to me last night as an invitation. I don't know what that means. Um, and so, and so Ruth says, okay, I'll do that. And so she goes down, she goes to the threshing floor and she waits. She notes where Boaz lies down for the night and, uh, waits for him to fall asleep, goes over there, uncovers his feet, lays down and waits. And then says in the middle of the night, something startles the man. He wakes up. Notices there's a shadow at 
the foot of his bed, doesn't know who it is, so he calls out, who's there? Ruth replies and says, it's me, it's Ruth, it's your servant. She says, spread your wings over your servant because you are a redeemer, which is kind of an ancient way of proposing marriage. And, uh, and so he says, like, he says, wow, you're showing more kindness now than you did before, saying you waited, you didn't go off with some younger man who was richer, who had more to give you, you waited um, for me. And, but he says, it's true, I am a redeemer, but there is a redeemer closer than I am. And this kind of shows the worthiness of Boaz in another way. Like, it's just kind of reiterating it. Boaz had the opportunity. There was this woman. It's late at night. It's dark. He could have easily just taken advantage of that opportunity of the situation, slept with her for that night, and then left saying, there's another redeemer. Go find him. He can redeem you guys. Or he could have taken, he could have taken her and said, I will redeem you, and just left out the fact that there's somebody else closer. He respects, he respects her by letting her sleep with him for the rest of the night, not with him, but, like, next to him. <laughs> Just got to get that clear. And, um, and so he could have he taken advantage of that, but he doesn't. He could have taken advantage of the fact that the other Redeemer doesn't know about Ruth, but he doesn't. He wants to respect the other Redeemer by bringing it up to him first. And so he says, lie down here for the night, and in the morning um, you go back to Naomi, and I'll sort this whole thing out and, and tomorrow. And so that's kind of what happens. And then so in the morning they wake up before everybody else does. So nobody else knows that there was a girl on the threshing floor. And uh, he gives her six measures of barley, which, again, is a lot of barley. And so she walks back, goes back home with Naomi, shows her what he's given her, tells her what's going on. Naomi says, uh, Naomi says, bless him again. He will surely figure this out by the end of the day. And so... Uh, chapter 4 starts up, and Boaz goes to the city gates, which is like the town hall of the city, right? That's where all the important things happen. That's where all the important people are. And, uh, and so he goes there. He finds 10 elders, gathers them, finds the Redeemer, gathers him, and they're all there. And he says, uh, tells this Redeemer, this guy, that uh, Naomi, Elimelech's wife, has returned from Moab and is trying to sell Elimelech's piece of land or portion of land, and uh, he has first right to it. And so basically he's saying, if you want to redeem it, redeem it. If you don't, I'll be more than happy to. Just let me know. And so the guy says, okay, I'll redeem it. It's a piece of land that he can, he'll acquire and he can use, and maybe he can sell it later and gain some profit or something from it. And so then Boaz, this is where he starts getting a little fancy, where he starts, like, manipulating the information a little bit. And uh, he says, okay, but the day that you redeem that land, you also acquire Ruth, her daughter-in-law, who is the wife of the dead, and or who is the wife of her dead son. And you also have to marry her, which means that if he marries her, this land that he would acquire belongs to their their son. And so it would not help him at all to get married and acquire this land because he'd have to give it away for no profit. He wouldn't be able to use it later in his life or anything. And so he says, okay, you can redeem it. It's all yours. So, you know, Boaz is a little happy. And so he, and so he's like, okay, looks to all the elders. You guys, you guys are the witnesses. You guys are 
the witness to this happening right now and uh, the transaction, instead of just signing papers back in this time, the official way to like make a transaction is they take off their sandal and then they exchange sandals. And um, so that's what they do when the guy says you can redeem it, takes off his sandal, gives it to Boaz. And, uh, and so Boaz goes back, goes to Ruth, they get married, they have a son, his name is Obed, and um, Emily mentioned it earlier, a couple generations later we have King David, the greatest king in all of Israel, and we have several generations later we get Jesus, the savior of the entire world, and uh, you look at the story of Jesus, and you look at the story of Boaz, and you see some similarities there. You see that Boaz had the opportunity, and he had the means to redeem Ruth and Naomi and to keep their family going on. He had, the, he had the means and the opportunity, but he didn't have to because it came as a sacrifice to him. And he didn't have to do that, but he did. And he did this honorable thing for them. And Jesus came to earth, and he had the means, he had the opportunity to redeem the entire world by dying on the cross in the most horrific way that you can imagine. And he didn't have to. He could have easily backed out, but he, being the perfect person, God, Jesus, that he is, he dies on the cross for us, and he redeems us of all of our sins. And so when you look at the story, obviously there's people that you want to imitate, for both men and women. And men, it's Boaz. You want to live like Boaz does, honoring people, redeeming the people that need to be redeemed, providing for the people that can't provide for themselves, doing the things that you don't have to do, but you have the means to do it, and so you do. And for the women, Ruth is such an honorable person, following her mother-in-law when she had nothing, and serving her by going out and gleaning the fields of barley for her. And so that's, that's the story of Ruth that we learned at ETV.